Today on the Mission Readiness Review, a space nation takes us to its leader. SpaceX and NOAA point fingers at each other. And India's communications satellite just won't speak up. Discussions and more are up next on the Mission Readiness Review. Stefan Kartenberg created the Mission Readiness Review's music, Pod Dreams. Thank you, Stefan. Hello, and welcome to the April 8th, 2018 Mission Readiness Review, Episode 5, Noah Means No. From Ground Zero in Colorado Springs, I'm John Holst, and this is my co-host, Ingrid. Greetings, Earthling. Hey, um, don't you also have a space booze story coming up, or is that a surprise I just ruined? There's something brewing. <laughs> Alrighty then. Well, let's just get into the uh, launches coming up this week. There are two of them. The first one is April 12th out of India. That is a PSLV rocket going up with a satellite IRNSS-1L. It's a GPS-type Indian satellite. On April 14th or 15th out of Florida is an Atlas V rocket going up with the satellite AFSPC-11 demonstration satellite, and that is going into geosynchronous orbits. Last week's launches, we had the Falcon 9 out of Florida. On April 2nd, it was a Dragon resupply capsule for the International Space Station. And then on April 5th, we had the Ariane 5 ECA out of French Guiana. Two satellites were aboard that, the Superbird 8 Japanese military communications satellite and the Hylas 4 United Kingdom commercial communications satellite. Both of those were heading to geosynchronous orbit. There's also a suborbital launch test from Virgin Galactic. Uh, they managed to test Spaceship 2 Unity for the first time, a rocket-powered flight test it was the first time since 2014, and that happened out of California on April 5th. It did reach a maximum altitude of 84,300 feet, or 25,700 meters. We'll get into risk matrix and analysis of some of the last week's news. We do have an update, or a lack of one, for the Indian Space Research Organization's GSAT-6A communications satellite. That uh, country and agency is still trying to establish contact with it, and there is no other update other than that there is no contact. I'm pretty sure if they had made contact, they'd be uh, shouting the good news out of off of the roofs of every house they have. But right now, no news is probably bad news for them. We also have an update on the SpaceX National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration NOAA Remote Sensing Systems SPAT. So, I don't know if you remember, Ingrid, we talked about this in our previous podcast. I do remember. What do you remember about it? It was weird that they couldn't use their um, cameras on their rockets anymore, even though they had been doing that just fine. And suddenly Noah said they, so Noah said no, just as the title indicates. Right. So, SpaceX and one of their latest launches turned off the second stage camera during a launch. And they said it was in order to comply with NOAA's interpretation of the law. And it sounds like there's even a disagreement between the two about which party has initiated this process. Some sources are saying that NOAA invoked the law, uh, while NOAA is busy pointing back at SpaceX saying that uh, SpaceX approached them about this first. Is it possible that not everybody in NOAA knows what everybody else in NOAA is doing? 
Well, it is a big agency. I think 11,000 people or so, but this particular office that deals with remote sensing, I believe, is only about six people. Mm. So Hopefully they know what happened. Yeah, in spite of being in a cubicle farm, they probably know each other pretty well. I don't understand the finger pointing just because there's got to be some evidence on who approached who. Um, or why they're even any... Why wouldn't you just be straight up about it? I don't What's know. What's shady going on? I don't think it's necessarily shady other than Noah is trying to wield a big stick to maybe SpaceX a little bit. I, I don't understand why... I mean, they're pointing fingers at each other when it's going to be so... I mean, it's easy to be able to have evidence nowadays of who has approached who with what. But there I are get memos, there are communications, Emails, something. very easy. And you can even record on your cell phone. I get the feeling that SpaceX might have information. I, it's just a sense, though. It's not a... There, I have no evidence for this. But if they had the evidence, maybe SpaceX is just fearful of embarrassing NOAA bureaucrats and that might then just have denial of all this licensing um, done forever just out of spite and it also doesn't make sense for me that SpaceX the, the statement that SpaceX came to NOAA doesn't make sense if only because SpaceX has been doing this with cameras for a long time and why would they suddenly go to NOAA to say oh by the way we need a license um, seems a little weird to me, especially after Starman on the Falcon Heavy. So some of this doesn't really hold water necessarily. It could be true, but it seems like it's a little weird still. Some added information, and this does come from spacenews.com. Um, SpaceX did apply for a license apparently four days prior to the launch, and that might have been just when, if, if SpaceX is correct, might have been when NOAA gave them the timeline or maybe a little after so I'm sure SpaceX wouldn't have just given this four days in advance if they could have helped it. But NOAA says that it sped up the process, <laughs> and that it vetted some of the licensing. It was okay, but they say they can take up to 120 days to do this. So Of course. Yeah, you know, it's a bureaucracy. There is another story, I think it was also on spacenews.com, that basically said they can that they've sped up their process generally. So even though the processing took three months or so, four months or so, it's gotten better with NOAA, but, you know, not too late for SpaceX at any rate. But the other part of this is how does NOAA choose to interpret what a remote sensing system is, right? I mean, their interpretation right now is so broad that they could choose what to interpret as a remote sensing system and what isn't. A camera sounds valid. Well, yeah, but if it's for an engineering purpose, which SpaceX says for their rockets, that's what it is. And honestly, those cameras come back to Earth on stage two in a few days, I think. But um, can't you see a bit of the ground below from the engineering rocket? Well, they say national security reasons are the, you know, why NOAA has this licensing process. So One it of the reasons. sounds, again, valid. It, again, if they choose to define SpaceX's second stage camera as a remote sensing system, to me a remote sensing system would be something like Planet Labs or uh, Digital Globe, where they have obviously a constellation 
of dedicated cameras pointing at the ground at any given time, and those are taking snapshots of the Earth. If you look at what the camera is doing on the Falcon 9 second stage, all it's doing is, I mean, yes, there's space around it that it can see, but it's focused very much on the, the nozzle in the back of the second mm. stage. So, yeah, you could make an argument that Falcon 9 is a, you know, that camera is part of a sensing system, but that's if you're really, really deliberately being ignorant about how other folks operate their constellations to include, you know, the commercial satellite companies like Digital Globe or, or Planet. And some people are just sticklers for rules. Right, and that's why they get to work in government. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, enough of that. Have you heard of Asgardia? Aren't they in the movies these days? Well, yeah, there's a particular one, Thor. He's pretty awesome. Um, unfortunately, Asgardia itself, some people think they're awesome, and I kind of view it as questionable. These folks are trying to develop what they call the first space nation. Space nation. And this started in late 2016. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it does. And, you know, they have a founder who just also now happens to be elected to the head of nation. Um, they have their own calendar, their own constitution, which the founder decreed as their constitution. Um, they're very, very democratic in that they'll take almost anyone. And uh, they are now attempting to gain UN membership as a nation. So why is this a separate nation? What are they founded on? What's their purpose? Well, you can go to the Asgardia.space um, site to read this, but it almost sounds like, to me anyway, you know, another Jim Jones sort of cult in a way where people are feeling very disaffected and, you know, not happy with the world or the people around them or even the circumstances they're in and are just trying to put themselves in a better place. I think that's one reason why Asgardia is named the way it is. I mean, it's very, it has to do with gods, and if you want to be a god, well, you can be an Asgardian, I suppose. I have to admit right now, um, leave, seceding from our country sounds a bit tempting, and even South Carolina is considering it right now. Yeah, but... So here's the thing, you know, this is all based on a Gizmodo article I just read. People are a little surprised that people that come to Asgardia are bringing this baggage with them, you know. Mm. So this emotional, this political baggage, these, these their own agendas and their own versions of perhaps what Asgardia may be. So there's discord in Asgardia. You know? Already? Sounds it like hasn't it. hasn't even started yet. Yeah, I know. So the voting, you know, just the voting process all on its own had some issues, including a hinky website where they were trying to get the voting done. A person could transfer a vote from one person to another up until, like, March 1st. Mm. Um, Shady. Well, I mean, I guess people can change their minds, and that allows them to do that. And then, then they counted it all, and by April 1st, well, would you believe that the founder is now the head of the nation? It's his idea. I suppose he's hopefully got a clear plan, whatever that may be. Yeah, but would you believe that some people just disagree with the fact that he's a, the leader? You know, in that, and that's and that's part of the issue. Um, again, it's an interesting idea, 
I, I just don't trust this way of doing things. This seems very artificial to me. So where is this nation? You said, you said it was called a space nation. So are they planning on going out into space? Well, so last year, late last year, they launched a CubeSat. So a small satellite called Asgardia 1. And all it really is, is what it sounds like, is a radio receiver transmitter that's hooked into a hard drive that can write data to the hard drive. So they have a... So that makes it space. Well, they're, they're saying that that is considered territory. So they've made, they built their own territory, the satellite, and that helps them in their argument for, uh, for being a nation. You know, that's in their application for the United Nations. So the first 100,000 citizens could send a 500 kilobit file or kilobyte file to the satellite. And then the next citizens who were citizens before June 2017 could upload a 200 kilobit fi- kilobyte file. And then the remaining citizens afterwards could um, send up a 100 kilobyte file. So I don't know what the appeal is. I guess it's just some sort of maybe memorial or something to the person that's, that's uploading the file or the citizen that's uploading the file. I don't know. The fact that they have these different levels kind of already makes me wonder a little bit about the democracy generally when you it seems this seems to sort of embed a caste system into it somewhat you know the first one hundred thousand so that's that's a bit interesting to me you know their goals do sound reasonable they want to have take part in shaping space law they'd love to protect our planet and future generations from Threats in space, from space. But what does that even mean? Well, they're talking about meteors, coronal mass ejections, Hmm. that sort of thing. If you look at their website, it goes into it a little bit, but not overly much in detail. Their constitution's an interesting read. But, again, I would say it has some hallmarks of a cult to me, personally. It makes me wonder a little bit about, you know, ulterior motives. They have a single strong leader who's charismatic. If you read the Gizmodo article, he's prone to tantrums if people disagree with him. So, okay. They're very equal opportunity, like a cult. They appeal to rich and poor alike, and they're going for the disaffected somewhat. And it appeals to many different people for many different reasons. One of it is part of being the elite, the only group that gets it. You know, mm. they're the space nation, right? They are forward, and this is in their, their, their language, forward-thinking people which implies that everyone else is perhaps backward thinking or you know static somehow. You know, if you just look it up online, we've got a link listing the key traits for cults as well as just if you want to read about Asgardia, it's an interesting idea, not against virtual, it's really a virtual nation. You've seen this sort of with online clans and games where people get together, they have a common goal, they're from all around the world, and they do some great things. This could be that, but the hallmarks have all sorts of weird alarm bells ringing for me in the, in the background right now. And you haven't mentioned anything as far as common goals other than the very vague shaping space law and protecting our planet. Plus you have the awesome name of being an Asgardian, so yeah. Just sounds, uh, yeah, vague. Yeah, vague. It's really the best word for it right now. Then we also have a fun story from the Smithsonian.com. They talk about plans for brewing brews, brews, beer in space. Say They're brewing again. brew. 
but they're brewing beer in space. Did you already have some of this space beer, perhaps? N- no, um, there is a company called Ninkasi, their the brewery, that has sent yeast up and returned it, and they brew beer resulting from the yeast. But this is from Budweiser, and what they're doing is they're putting up grains of barley into space, and the whole idea is to eventually figure out how to brew beer in space. So, unfortunately, it's Budweiser, which... But it's space Budweiser. So the so far we've just had beer made from barley and yeast that has gone up to space and come back and then we make it here. Mm -hmm. But this one they're going to brew it in space. What are the challenges of brewing in space? Well, there's no gravity or very little gravity and, and brewing depends on that. I think they use pressure vessels in brewing, which may also be interesting an interesting challenge in space just because you have no um, gravity as well or very little gravity. But it provides some pressure. Right, but you would need to shape your pressure vessels maybe a little differently than what you do here on Earth. Timing might be different, and who knows what else. I mean, it's interesting. I think it'd be cool if they can do it. It almost doesn't even have to be good, at least at first. Well, with Bud, that's guaranteed. (laughs) Um, and while that beer might be below the bar, at least they're forging a path for other companies, say, like the great great ones like Avery or North Coast Brewing. But uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. I think it's worth just taking a read at. I'm personally not a fan of beer, but even I might give it a taste. Okay, I- okay. are you ready for um, the bad joke of the week? As ready as you can. Yeah, as ready as I'll ever be. This is from engineeringhumor.com. That's humor with a U, so you know it's good. Mm -hmm. Where does bad light end up? In prism. I knew there was an angle to that joke. That's just bad. (laughs) Okay, and that's it, everyone. Um, We will not be podcasting next weekend. It's going to be a very busy week for me. Personally, I've got... uh, space symposium I've got to work on for the organization I work with. Um, So I will be busy. Ingrid will also be helping out a little bit there too. Um, But if you like what our podcast is about and find it informative, please pass this on to friends and colleagues. Links to the stories we discussed are in the show notes. We are on Podbean and Google Music. We have authority to proceed. Thanks for listening and have a great week.